Listening Dog Media. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello, you're listening to the Offside Rule podcast. We get it. Every two weeks, you get to hear from me, Hayley McQueen, Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper, where we chat about everything that's been happening in football, as well as a little taste of what's been happening in our lives as well. (laughs) That's right. You get some personal insights, some behind the scenes juice. Uh, You get tales of disaster. That's normally from Lindsay. You get bits of gossip. That's normally from Hayley. And uh, you get several other snippets, probably just stuff that I make up as I pretend to be as interesting as you two. Sometimes. Come on, Lindsay, what have you been up to? Well, I've been having a little break from football to go and present and do some reporting on a Red Bull series called Crash Dice. Now, I don't know whether anyone knows anything about this, but it is crazy. By the way, I saw the pictures. It looks horrendous. Anything called Crash Dice? Something not for me. Well, it goes out on Red Bull TV and other places, but imagine having a BMX track, then imagine taking that track, maybe putting it about 200 metres higher in the air, coating it in ice, and then putting ice skates on and going down and racing three other people down it as fast as you can. Now, I thought that it was cold on a Tuesday night at Stoke City. (laughs) However, I can verify that crashed ice is as cold as it gets. I was in minus 13 degree temperatures in St. Paul in in the USA over the weekend. So I've really been just trying to weather myself as an as an all-season reporter for those winter football seasons. There'll be a doddle from now on. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> what about you, Kate? Well, I'm looking forward to things getting a bit colder this weekend. I'm taking my dad to Old Trafford for the first time in a long time. My dad's a Manchester United fan. And my dad hasn't been to Old Trafford for years and years and years. He's a big cricket man. He does love his football, but we tend to go to the, to the cricket when I take him. Um, and, um, and so we're heading up there. The only reservations I've got is that my dad always gets lost within like a five metre radius he'll get lost so if you're at Old Trafford and you hear an announcement for not a lost child but a lost OAP it'll probably be my dad (laughs) I'm covering the Man United Watford game actually on Saturday and do you know do you know what I think Graham Taylor who was laid to rest just in this last week or so 
is watching because they've won both games since he's been in charge. Or they've done well. They haven't lost, have they, in both games since he was later. I think he's kind of looking over them. So they might just do one over Manchester United. There you go. Well, he certainly sent them a gift in Nias. Wow. What a player. We are recording. This week's podcast in the offices of Audio Boom. So thank you very much for downloading us via there. Or you might have found us on iTunes as well. You can head to the YouTube channel, The Offside Rule TV, to go and watch videos. There's Twitter, of course. We have a steady stream of tweets that we'll be keeping you up to date with. Well, uh, it was brilliant on deadline day as well. We have our brilliant team who are making sure they're on top of all the stories and doing it in a very quirky way as well. You can head to the website for features at the Offside Rule podcast.com. And there's a Facebook page as well. There's no escaping us at the offside rule. So, yeah, we're going to be chatting about uh, when footballers or football people haven't wanted to talk to us. And we've all been doing interviews for many years, haven't we, as uh, journalists. So, snap, no chat is our last topic. We're also going to be hearing from Sue Smith, who's going to be giving us a preview on the WSL because, of course, the spring season is imminent. So very excited about that. We Hopefully, in previous podcasts, you've listened to the ones to watch and some of the transfers that have happened uh, within the women's game. Uh, barely there is our second topic because we know the transfer window's closed. But could there have been a few duff signings in January? But let's talk about our first topic, which is the relegation riddle. The offside rule, we get it. The female take on football. So, girls, this is only the second time in Premier League history the relegation battle has been so tight at this stage of the season. We're recording this in the first week of February. Um, so can we make any sense of who will end up going down? Let's just focus on the bottom six. I'm going to be looking at Leicester and Swansea. Lindsay, you're going to be taking charge of Sunderland and Palace. But Kate, let's get your predictions about Middlesbrough level with Leicester and Swansea and also Hull as well, who I think are on the up, but can they stay up? Mm. That's the question. Let's take a look at Borough. Now, when I'm looking at the teams down there, I am seriously concerned for Borough, and I didn't give this one to you on purpose, Hayley, as a bit of a Borough fan. Karanka could be in either of these reasons why they might stay up or reasons why they might go down. He did sign another player on deadline day, um, Adeline Guardiola, but is that going to be enough? Well, they desperately need strikers. Their defence is good, um, but their strike force is not. Um, another reason why they might go down is you've got to question where their ability as a team is. Where do they pitch their squad and their strength, I suppose, um, simply enough. In gaining automatic promotion last season, my question would be, is that Borough's level? Why might they stay up? Well, they are still in the FA Cup, so if you're looking for positives, I don't know how much a 1-0 win against Accrington Stanley is a positive, but they are still in the FA Cup, so you know that at least has garnered them some wins because they've not won since the middle of December, so at least they're winning in that competition. Um, and the plus, as I've mentioned, Ita Karanka, he knows how to set up the team. Um, the defensive record is good for the side. We've already established that the attacking is not... Um, um, but the players have bought into him and they have achieved success under him. So he's a plus and a minus for me. So, Lindsay, you have been looking at Sunderland and Crystal Palace, which is where you were on deadline day. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you see that Sam Allardyce is in charge and immediately you think that's one of the reasons why they should stay in the league because he's never got a team relegated from the mm. Premier League. But under him, they haven't been doing brilliantly at all. There was the one win that we had in, in the last two weeks. But apart from that, it has been a dismal 2017 for Crystal Palace. I would say that Sam Allardyce has a plan. I would say that he got Mamadou Sacco in. 
a, a great signing. I think Mamadou Sakho for a club like Crystal Palace will really sharpen up the rear guard and that's what he wanted to do he's also a big big player I think they needed a bit of presence because defending set pieces ultimately seems to be what's let them down in recent games particularly when you think of the Watford result when you've got a team that's got Johan Kabai in there Wilfred Zahar now it's got Mamadou Zako at the back it is a squad littered with talent. Now, whether these talented players can play together remains to be seen at the moment, but if any man can make them gel, I think it's Sam Allardyce. Uh, reasons why they may go down, there's no denying. It's one of the leakiest defences in the league, and when you're conceding goals, you have to score more. And at the moment, I would say it's it's a real struggle to see them scoring more than they're conceding. Mm. And the other reason is Christian Benteke. If he struggles to score goals, if he's not scoring mm. and being the prolific front man that they need, then that could also be worrying indicator for Crystal Palace fans. Those would be the, my reasons. OK, so the two teams that I have are currently level on points, Leicester and Swansea. Now, I think Swansea will stay up because they have too many great individual players, really good players who are finally coming together, playing the Swansea way, and they have a manager who I think is going to do it. Leicester City, you'd think, would have a manager who going to do it, but they don't have enough individual players playing anywhere near how they were last season. Uh, Leicester, they need a psychologist to get in there, to go and kind of turn around mentally how they are. This season, they're just all over the place. Um, they lack consistency. They're yet to win away. Um, it was always an impossible task. They were never going to do anywhere near as they did last season. But how they have just crumbled this season has just been unreal. I just think they need motivation. And I don't think it's down to Claudio Ranieri. I don't think it's his problem and I don't think they should get rid of him. You take him away and what the hell have they got? That's just a, a real problem. But yeah, I just don't know where the heck Leicester uh, are going to get themselves out of trouble. But I think they need somebody to go in to mentally sort out the players. Uh, one man who's attempting to do that, Paul Clement. And he's got uh, Claude McAlealy in there as well, hasn't he, at uh, Swansea, helping him out. Um, they've got a couple of really great individual players. They might not be playing brilliant as a team. The defence has been a bit lax. Their goal difference is the, the second joint worst uh, in the league, but they have Luciano Narsing. He said he was too small at Ajax, he was cast off, and he's proving his doubters wrong. But they need to make sure they're picking up points from the teams in and around the bottom half, which I think Swansea will do. Leicester are struggling to do. It might come down to goal difference in the end. I, I don't think it matters if they ship goals, because I think they're going to be scoring them. I think they're looking really promising. OK, let's touch, uh, Lindsay. We've got a couple of other teams um, to talk about. Uh, Hull? Uh, they look good for me. Here are the reasons why they will stay up. There's a plan. The players are motivated and focused under Marco Silva. He's been there for only a month, something of a quiet revolution. Now people are starting to talk about it. Uh, secondly, why they might stay up, I was listening to Curtis Davis on Five Live a couple of days ago, actually really interesting about the belief in the side now, you know, a big mental shift. Why Hull might struggle to stay up? So could it all still go wrong? Well, the new manager effect might not last for much longer. We've seen it before. It might not last for much longer. And also for my second point, the side have played most of the big teams already. Um, so that's not such a concern, but a bit like what you've touched on, Holly, they really need to be aware of the teams around them in those relegation places. None more so when you consider uh, that within their last three games of the season, before they finish with uh, Spurs at the end um, of the season, they've got Sunderland and Palace in May. So they need to make sure that they've done it I guess before the end of April so that it's not really, really tight for them. 
That's where I'm going to begin with Sunderland because Sunderland have had some tough fixtures for the first half of the season and now they're getting into a little spell where they actually have some tasty ones. Ones where you think, could they pick up more points? Well, I'd say after beating Crystal Palace 4-0... You know, that is going to give them the confidence boost they need to see that they're beating the teams around them. They're beating the teams that they're competing with to stay in the top flight. I think David Moyes realises that one of the reasons why they might go is that you cannot rely too much on Jermaine Defoe. Mm. Not on an ageing striker who could, if picking up an injury... I mean, this is a player that he cannot possibly, for the whole of this season, play 90 minutes every week. Mm. And at his age, be the saviour again. I don't think it can happen. And I think he identified that not getting in Leonardo Joa from Leicester has impacted them. I think if they'd got that signing over the line, it might have helped. I think they needed reinforcements up front. So that would be a reason why I think they could go down if you're relying too much on Jermaine Defoe. If Brian Oviedo starts as he as he did against Palace, who looked brilliant signing, he could definitely add to that ability within the squad. And I think it does have that effect of being contagious, doesn't it? When you, when you have a player that comes in that's performing well, it does spread around the team sometimes. So that could be a reason why it stays a reason why it could go is personally I think that the signings compared to last season when they stayed up were poorer apart from Oviedo I mean Lescott Mm. I just think not not worth the paper anymore Um, not in the Premier League I I just don't think he's um, ever going to get back to the dizzying heights that he once was I'm not sure whether they are are as astute signings as they were last season so that Mm. could be a reason why not so shall we sum this up by uh, a team each that's going to go down? I've made some notes whilst you've been talking. I've been picking okay. up on okay. your attitude towards these okay. teams, ladies. Uh, so I've got here Leicester to go down. Haley, you didn't seem too enthusiastic about them. Lindsay, you're very concerned about Sunderland. And I'm very concerned about Middlesbrough. So those yeah. three are picks to go down. Right, stay tuned because we're going to be chatting a little bit later about when we were snubbed by footballers or football people or just not given an interview and weren't very happy about it. But one woman who is very happy about a new WSL season starting is Sue Smith, and here she is to preview the new season. Sue Smith's WSL Roundup. Hello, everyone. It's that time of year again, and the FA WSL Spring Series is back this weekend. Okay, I'm going to start off with Everton. They narrowly missed out on promotion last season and they play Oxford this weekend. Everton have added a few new players to the squad and one that I'm particularly looking forward to watching is forward Olivia Chance. She's been playing in Iceland and and Andy Spence speaks very highly of her, saying technically she's very good, she can create and she can also score goals. She did this in the FA Cup at the weekend, scoring two in their 8-1 triumph over Brighouse Town. Not a bad start for her. Okay, next up, Durham. They play Millwall Lionesses. I was really impressed with Durham last season. Massively improved from the season before and ended up finishing top four. But they were in contention for for the league for, for a lot of the season. I think they'll have a good year this year. Donny Bells will be playing in their local derby against Chef FC. The Bells, they, I've got to say, they did struggle in WSL 1 last year. But I think they've got a good enough squad to, to bounce straight back up. As long as they stick together, they get their tactics right, they shouldn't have a problem. Chef FC, though, will be a, a good test for them in their, their opening game. Next up is, is Brighton, newly promoted this season. I think they're a team to watch. They made some good signings with experience at this level and, and the setup there seems really good. 
I think a, a very good signing for them was, was Emma Burns. She got released by Arsenal and Brighton did really well to, to capture her. She's a, not only a top goalkeeper, but I think she'll help the players both on and off the field. They play London B, so it'll be interesting to see how they do in this, this opening game. So basically the spring series, it's a great way for players to play competitive football in a tournament situation. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds. OK, that's all for now. Until next time. Right. Thank you very much to Sue for that. We'll have uh, updates as well throughout the season on the podcast. Hi, I'm Darren Goff and you're listening, believe it or not, to three gorgeous women talking about football. Now, football and women. I'll leave it with you. Right. Let's bring you up to date with what's been happening in January. We're not going to run through signings that have happened. We're going to tell you about what could potentially happen to some of these deals if history is to go by, OK? There have been some loan signings uh, that haven't quite gone to plan. Uh, most of them tend to be signings who were brought in in January. Some of them just very unfortunate loan spells as well. So think one Quadrado for Chelsea or even Andy Carroll for Liverpool. Signings that promised so much but completely flopped. Let's go with UK. OK, well, I think we're going to look at shortest signings, aren't we? Because we know plenty of flops from the January window. But what about players, as you suggested, Lindsay, who w- walked in and probably maybe walked straight out again? Uh, so the shortest uh, signings, I guess, not necessarily a short signing, but very few games played for Kim Kalstrom at Arsenal. Um, only played four times for the side. Came in January 2014 and a back injury was only picked up in his medical, which already makes me suspicious. You know, Spartak Moscow should have declared that. So he arrives at Arsenal. Everyone's excited. Then he, uh, then it's revealed that he has this back problem. I remember sitting in the press conferences at the time and the journalist just going, mate, Tabenga, what have you done? Like, who is this guy? He did redeem himself slightly um, by scoring in their penalty shootout, which saw them advance to the final of the FA Cup. Uh, but apart from that, four appearances. Uh, he did say he enjoyed his time at the club, but I think his contribution, uh, well, not much really. There's many reasons why players depart clubs and I've gone for a left field one. You don't often expect to sign a player and then 22 days later have to sack them. And that's what happened with Sunderland. Do you remember when Emmanuel Ibue joined Sunderland? Um, they signed him and then after 22 days um, they found out he'd been given a one-year ban by FIFA. It was over a pay dispute with a former agent. They said, that's it, you've breached the contract, you're sacked. And we never. And the reason why I brought that up as well is we never hear do we have footballers being sacked because usually they're holding clubs to ransom i.e. Payet or whatever um, threatening not to play we've seen all these people that are saying I'm not going to play for the club if you don't let me go so I thought I'd bring a story to the fold where a player actually did get sacked Okay, what about a bit of possibly dodgy business here it looked great didn't it when Coventry City uh, signed Croatian fullback uh, Robert Jarni now in 1998 in the World Cup he had a very impressive tournament. Gordon Strachan signed him for £2.5 million. Real Madrid had wanted to sign him, but he went to Coventry instead. Imagine that. (laughs) And the reason he didn't go to Real Madrid was because Sevilla, which was the club that he was playing for, had said they didn't want to sell him because Real Madrid were league rivals. So he goes to Coventry. Did he play for them? Well... A week after signing for Coventry for £2.5 million, they sold him to Real Madrid for £3.4 <laughs> Now, come on, don't tell me that's not dodgy. 
Great way to earn a million pounds in a few days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll jump in with a quick one here. I was trying to look for perhaps one of the shortest stays in football and I went back to 2006 when Leeds manager Kevin Blackwell signed David Livermore from Millwall. He was for a particular position and actually then happened to sign another couple of players in that position. So he's in a bit of a tricky situation. He's got three players for one position. He needs to get rid of one. So what does he do? Well, perhaps he signed David Livermore as a bit of a safety blanket, in which case, just 10 days after arriving at the club, Livermore uh, was offloaded to another side. So the rule of the story is, if you think you might not get your preferred two players, go for an emergency one, a safety blanket first, and just get shot of them a few days later. In the early years uh, of my career as as a sports journalist, I have to say one of the busiest weeks was when I was based in the East Midlands. I was working for BBC East Midlands today and I was freelancing in their sports department and within one week all hell broke loose at Notts County. Mm -hmm. Do you remember Sven Joran Eriksson going there? Former England manager to Notts County at the time. It was huge news down at Meadow Lane and that's where we all seemed to be camped out all week. And that seemed to happen because not only did Sven come in, he brought in a few players that he knew um, into Nottingham and everyone's like what we're getting the likes of Sol Campbell at the club so Sol Campbell's there and we're blinking away thinking pinch me is this happening but yes he's holding up a shirt it says I've signed for Notts County he's given a quote saying how much he's looking forward uh, to working under Sven there Um, but it was too good to be true because I think within a few days maybe even a week he was no longer uh, wanting to be at the club. I think he played one game that, was, that he made a debut. Yeah. They lost to Morecambe. And then he went. And then he went, <laughs> then he went on his way. So we did blink and we did nearly miss it. <laughs> right. This one was in uh, 2014. It's a player who's currently at Barnsley at the moment. And he's been a bit of a journeyman. He's played out on loan at Luton Town, Blackpool, Colchester United and Southend. But how long was he at Southend for? Well, he was a promising striker. Rob Lee's son, Rob Lee of Newcastle United, oh. Elliot Lee. So we know he's gone on to do not too badly with his career, uh, but he did very badly when he signed for West Ham to Southend. It was a Thursday morning, did the paperwork. Phil Brown gets him in, signs the paper at 9.30. Now remember that time. Mm-hmm. He goes into training at 10.30 and by five past 11, he's done a hamstring injury and he's back at West Ham by early afternoon oh, no. and his loan spell is ended. Literally an hour-long loan spell. (laughs) What an absolute disaster and a real shame for Southend United as well. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. The Offside Rule is sponsored by BetOnBrazil.com. It's the betting site for all sports punters with great odds, markets and offers. Listeners to the podcast can now get up to £60 deposit match when you use the promotion code OFFSIDE. Just visit BetOnBrazil.com and enter promo code OFFSIDE when you deposit and we'll match your deposit up to £60. Also, look out for our daily happy hour offers between 5pm and 6pm. Sign up now at betonbrazil.com. Betonbrazil.com is for over 18s only. Betting should be fun, so please gamble responsibly. And on to our final topic as I tuck into a cream egg, (laughs) which Kate brought. She tends to bring treats to try and fatten up me and Lindsay. It's working for me, not with Lindsay. Right. Um, So we saw last week Jose Mourinho storming off during his interview. United drew with Hull. He wasn't very happy at all. And instead of being... You know, the gentleman that we all think he is, that he's probably not. He decides just to dismiss all of the interviews, have one word answers and uh, sulk back off to his 
luxury five-star hotel with just a measly point to his name after that game. But he's so Jekyll and Hyde because then at the weekend he was laughing with reporters about about cutting his hair and how that makes him more more sort of hardcore and he, he was kind of laughing and joking. So he's, he's just Jekyll and Hyde all over, isn't he? You never know. I know. So that was very tough, obviously, for the reporters there who were thinking, OK, we're going to get a few good quotes from Jose Mourinho. Uh, but that obviously didn't happen. So let's talk about occasions when we have been in a similar position, I guess, as journalists, when you're looking to try and interview someone, you think you've got the interview, and then they either don't turn up, they snub you, you try and chase them down, and it just doesn't work. It's happened to me. It's awful. I can honestly say that in sport, most times people will oblige. Um, and I have been doing the football reporting job now quite some time and you'd think I'd have loads and loads of stories to tell. And actually, I don't have loads and loads. There are players that have left me waiting four or five hours. Um, I've had that quite a few times. I have had players, I'm going to name and shame as well. Um, I have had players that have turned up, they've done their duty. That is one of the things that's obviously on their list they've got to do. And the press officer is saying, you've got to do it. But they turn up and it's quite clear they don't really want to be there. Olivier Giroud, Andy Carroll. And that's happened in recent seasons. And, and and you can tell they're not really that keen on doing it. But well, then both of those interviews that I did with both of those players, once they got going and they started, they actually turned out to be really nice interviews. Who wouldn't want to be interviewed by one of I us know. three? I mean, I come on. And it doesn't take much for you to warm up a player. So it doesn't surprise me, Linz, that after being a bit reluctant, you got them <laughs> onside after a few minutes. Well, did you did you do that by the way by just really vociferously complimenting Olivier Giroud because I get the impression that he is quite into the look of himself. Yeah, like, oh, your hair is oh, looking amazing. even better today than it normally I'd does. I'd even offer to touch his hair if I thought, or is that massively sexy? I'd probably ask him if I could if oh. I could take a close up of his hair because it's such a wonder. No, I didn't do that. But, um, but what I would say um, about people generally in football is that there is obviously a lot of demands now. The Premier League, it's everywhere, isn't it? So I do understand that some players, they're being asked a lot. Um, there have been instances where someone like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's done so many interviews. He's like, oh, you know, I don't really want to do any more. Um, I've had that before. Fine. I think you understand it. The ones I don't understand, I suppose, are people who... For instance, this wasn't particularly the manager's fault, but the football club at the time, Aston Villa, it's when they were in the Premier League. And do you remember when Roy Keane had just walked out, randomly walked out and just gone? And nobody said a word. And the first thing you do is you go to the first Aston Villa game after that's happened. And what is every journalist there for? They want to know, why did Roy Keane walk out? Why is he gone? He just left training. He's left the club. Why? And I get pulled to one side and get told, I can't ask that question. Now, I think that's out of order because as a journalist... You can't tell me not to ask that question. Surely that's what the fans want to know. That's why I'm there, mm. to try and bridge the gap as to all week and the last three days where everyone's been pondering as to why the hell did he go? And then to be pulled to one side and be told, no, I can't ask Paul Lambert that question when he was at Aston Villa. Um, I, I felt a bit put out by that. So I wasn't very pleased. But it's one of those, sometimes mm. you just have to grin and bear it. Mm. Um, I once, um, well... It wasn't Danny Mills who snubbed me. It was actually London Bridge Station snubbed me. <laughs> We've been set up for an interview. You've been set up? Well, we'd been set up for an interview by the production company that I was working for. And we were going to interview Danny Mills about his pie shop. He'd invested in a bunch of pie shop businesses, I know. Or pasties, I think it was. And anyway, we trooped up to London Bridge to um, interview him out 
outside one of these pasty shops. You, if you know the station, you'll probably know the shop. Um, and we got thrown off <laughs> the station. So I went all the way there, all the way back to the office, having achieved absolutely nothing with Danny Mills. Uh, thank you very much to the railway station for that one. Speaking of who ate all the pies, I've eaten my cream egg. Thanks, mm-hmm. girls. Just enjoying that. Um, yeah, many, many times I have gone in and done prep and tried to do an interview which would turn into a feature rather than just question, answer, question, answer, boring, boring, how's the weekend, how's it going to go, how are you going to tactically approach this, Uh, getting to get a complimentary um, answer about the opposition. I remember going in to do a feature and it was Manchester United up against Newcastle. The editor had prepped lots of bits of information on Michael Carrick, who was going to be our interview when I was working at MUTV. Obviously, you grew up in Newcastle, we all know that. And it was going to be a really nice feature which we did every now and again on players who are playing against maybe their boyhood teams, a team they'd been previously at or a team that they were a fan of. So we'd done all this prep, had to get the interview back within two hours and then it was going to go out on MUTV. Well, he didn't turn up to do the interview. I got Thomas Kushak, who wouldn't have been playing at the weekend anyway. And who also had nothing to do with And nothing. And he was like, so, yeah, I... uh." I'm here. And he was great. He would sit down. He just did the interview. They're on a kind of rotor system and it would have been him the following week. But that's because it was a cup competition and he probably would have been playing. So these things just are really annoying because then you think, well, what am I going to ask you? You're probably not even going to play. But you're just grateful because, of course, he plays for Manchester United. So and he's actually turned up for the player that didn't turn up. So you have to be positive. I have tried to interview Carlos Tevez, who had an interpreter and who has thrown an absolute fit and and gone on and on and on and on and on. And I've just turned to, to the interpreter, Paul or John, whoever it was at the time, and said, so what was that? And he's like, no, he doesn't want to do it. And that's just it. I was like, oh, OK. And he doesn't even look at me and he just walks off. So that's... Uh, and and then, We'd paid for an interpreter. We'd made sure we'd got yeah. the interpreter that works at Manchester United to be there at a certain time and a certain point. Uh, one final note on Leicester City's um, charge last season. So I went and I covered game number nine when Jamie Vardy scored his ninth game in a row. So you think, brilliant, I'm going to interview Jamie Vardy, the player of the season last season. No, the club come out and say he's not going to do an interview today because he's done so many recently after scoring eight in a row that we'll wait for number 10. Now, thankfully, number 10 did come. But as I tried to point out to the media officer, I was like, well, how about if he doesn't score number 10? Couldn't we not get him for number nine as well? Um, But thankfully, he did. And that's to be forgotten. But on the championship winning season where Leicester City really had a magical fairy tale, the one time that I thought, oh, it would be great to speak to the main goal scorer, the main man himself, I didn't. Never mind. Oh. oh, well, both lovely stories. Thanks, ladies. Right, well, thank you very much indeed for uh, listening. If you've downloaded via Audio Boom or iTunes, uh, you can also watch clips of us on uh, YouTube via our YouTube channel, The Offside Rule TV, at Twitter, which is probably the best way to follow us, actually, at Offside Rule Pod. There's the website if you have a bit more time at work and you want to read a couple of features and get an insight uh, on football at the moment. There are updates daily there offsiderulepodcast.com and you can go to our facebook page why not give us a like at the offside rule so thank you very much for listening we'll be back in a couple of weeks and we'll see how the relegation battle is at working out by then for now though i'm going to relegate you to leave the office go, uh, out of head out of here and we'll speak to you soon girls bye, bye. the female take on football sports social podcast network
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.